0: again, Anchor. Uh, So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jean Baudrillard and also Viktor Frankl. Uh, Viktor Frankl wrote a lot during World War II. um, And he, um, his basic, uh, one of his, uh, he's he's somebody who who wrote a book on meaning and man during World War II. And his basic uh, theory uh, is, it's called Logos Therapy. And Logos translates as the word. Uh, From the ancient world, it translates as word. And uh, his belief was that man, in order to be healthy and not mentally ill, needs to have meaning. So, And in meaning, he believed that we find it in relationship with the other. So, you know, if you have a, a significant other, or friends, or a child or you work with a group of people and you create together. These are finding relationship in the other and finding meaning in them. And so he thought in relationship with the other they find meaning and also in uh, work, in uh, what you identify with as an individual, how you sustain uh, and how you use your mind in working to keep yourself (laughs) autonomous. So obviously during the war, Uh, The Jews as a whole uh, were the largest group being still in during World War II, Um, and they were blocking them from this meaning. They were stealing them from their families, their homes, and their jobs. So they're blocking meaning from the Jews. And he wrote in a time uh, in the concentration camps, he even did a little bit with it, um, to try and find meaning uh, in moments of suffering and when the person... Uh, either might die from um, being blocked from meaning or might uh, might be able to do something with their mind where they resolve a situation or might be able to feel better before they die and trying to find meaning in the situation being blocked so this is something where you know there'd be specific cases where people did do this with their mind whether they were somebody told to this or not and some of them did survive the camps, and some of them probably did make themselves feel a little bit better and come to terms with something and then die. So they probably have both. They probably have both situations, and I think it's real. Uh, so uh, to have meaning, again, means to have relationship with other, to have a job. And if you're blocked by somebody from that, it's to be the absence of meaning which is the absence of a civilization and you're being extracted from the civilization and trying to find meaning in that which is what they did to the Jews uh, during World War II. Uh, I know that recently I I screened a a musical piece from from London from the West End and it's called Imagine This and it was about a stolen uh, reality of the Jewish people during World War II and they were told to actually sit together and imagine realities uh, like they could actually um, make them happen. And they were a race of Jews, they're saying, that were supposedly stolen that imagine the realities. So maybe. It's a really good musical. Uh, I suggest checking it out. I quite enjoyed it. They have it on uh, DVD if you go into like the Performing Arts Library in uh, New York City. You can probably take that out on DVD. It's really good. Uh, so maybe... Maybe that's part of what we are. Uh, with uh, I wrote a little bit on this with Logos Therapy in uh, grad school uh, on the mental health paper that I do with uh, spiritual competency and uh, sort of unusual phenomenon, experiences with the paranormal, occult, and alien. Uh, and Logos Therapy was one of the therapies. I kind of integrated into the paper. And not that long after I finished grad school, I got contacted by the Department of Justice a lawyer I used to know in washington d c who I was you know just friends with, he uh put me in a movie while I was in washington d c about uh an invisible technology, possibly conspiracy that might be controlling the human race's minds from another reality, and sometimes it might be higher realities and sometimes it might be criminal realities and so I was in this. I played an Eastern European prostitute who witnessed war crimes in the movie. Um, And he contacted me after I graduated from this grad school program. And he said that I have to read this book called Simulcora and Simulation, which is by a French uh, um, sort of therapist and metaphysician and philosopher. Uh, And he uh, I think he was born right uh, right before World War Two and was a child during World War Two. He's French. Uh, And so I read it. And a lot of it has to do with uh, signs and logos, like uh, with computer logos, and signs. Uh, you know, and uh, finding meaning in signs. A lot of the time, when we're raised, we're told not to that the psychotic reads too deeply into signs, not to read too deeply into signs. A road signs, a road sign that's giving us directions. Um, a potato chip bag uh, advertisement is a potato chip bag advertisement um a religious symbol is a religious symbol and uh, it's just what they're telling you it means you know on that level that's it uh and simulation uh means um basically like uh a virtual replication is something like to design a film is a simulation of life. It's not actual life. Or the game Sims. It's a computer game that I even used to play back when I was in college, where you can like design houses for little Sim people, and you know you give them a little suburban house, and they go to they go to work. You get them a job, and you decorate the house, and give them a wife or a husband, and then you design these little virtual Sims, and like you're their little god. So that's like what a simulation is: to be the director of a movie or conceiver of one to design a video game, to design a little reality. These are simulations. Uh, So with Simulcora, uh, it's saying uh, initially the human being when they come into the world, they're taught from the reality that I'm from not to read too deeply into science. But as they mature, if they get more advanced in education and religion and spirituality and technology and they might play games or make movies, They might start to see that the technology and the reality and artificial intelligence is talking to them differently. Uh, They might start to notice something with signs, like maybe it is communicating something from another reality. Uh, Maybe uh, they do have a duality to them. Maybe they do have two meanings in them. And the theory is once the human being starts to read in this as they mature, if they have this happen, if they advance with technologies, if they advance with creativity, if they advance with education, this happens to a lot of people. It's not that uncommon. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are psychotic. Um, Sometimes this man, who's a very famous French uh, philosopher, believed that the sign might be getting replicated, Mm. Once they ascribe a different meaning to it, the sign might be getting replicated into another simulation and our head might be getting replicated into it to read the sign on a different level to then be interpreted by a different reality that's interacting with us with artificial intelligence and something else might be interacting with it that might be of the occult, that might be of the unknown, that might be from another reality that sees that we're new to that reality and in another form of the simulation that kind of still looks the same, uh... But is talking to the person differently, and then after that happens, sometimes it goes back to pretending that never even happened, and the sign is no longer connected to the original reality. It still looks the same. Let's say you pick up a Wise potato chip bag with the owl on it. The owl is a sign of the occult uh, in America. You can do research on. Them. So let's say like you go through something when you're like, that was so cute. Then you get older, and something you know, all kinds of things happen to you, and you're like, whoa, is the owl like talking? to me from something else and is there something to why they're calling it because it? you know with artificial intelligence they have tons of things in technology with chips is it some kind of information seller does it mean something with the owl there could be a million variations of what somebody can interpret as to why are they even choosing the owl to put on the potato chip bag and then maybe eventually it's not connected to the same reality but you still have the owl on the potato chip bag and then it becomes uh, eventually it pretends that never happened and you're back in a reality that kind of looks the same, but some transformation happened within the individual, and they might be in another reality. And it might not be in the Unreal, and they might be in a transferred simulation. And something knows this. And some of these people might, and it might be part of what happened during World War II, might get stolen by some kind of technology and displaced, and some of them might die, and some of them might excel into another reality. And it might not be in the Unreal. And uh, also, if you read uh, in in his writing, uh, this French man, uh, they had a surveillance uh, home programming like there. They studied a family on like satellite surveillance during the 1970s of this, and how the reality is sort of affecting them with with a surveillance sort of state, but them actually being on like the first reality television program as a surveillance state. In the 1970s, in the variation of America that I'm from, it's legal to spy or hack. Um, I've been put through to grids with hackers, though, where you can, like, spy on any street camera with your cell phone. But initially, I'm from one where it's illegal to spy or hack or access any surveillance, and these are protected by the military, etc. This all changed after this man contacted me from the Department of Justice and told me to read this book. So maybe, maybe I have been switched into a different simulation, Maybe that's real. Maybe that happens to lots of people. Uh, and it's not you know crazy to think that reality is talking to you on a lot of different levels. Uh, so I think ultimately this is not anything new. I think that if we had Hollywood in the 1930s, if we had satellites, if we had air, airplanes and air technology, if we could transmit anything on radio... Uh, the only thing that's new today is that everybody has something called a, a cell phone, and lots of applications are on these cell phones if you have a certain level of a grid. And you can even trace artificial technology uh, in, invisibly. Yeah, and they even design artificial brains, the newest Apple uh, phone coming out. They uh, design artificial brains uh, with chips to make it even more advanced uh, virtual technology uh, that might be from our imaginations designing realities to, if it keeps you, keep something away, and if it doesn't, to possibly steal something from the individual, because it goes two ways. Um, And these technologies that everybody walks around with, they're really advanced. So if you're not kept by surveillance with the government and military protecting every single camera, uh, it changes the way the individual perceives reality. It changes the way they think everything is talking to them, because they start to see that artificial intelligence is real, that they're not crazy. And uh, if you even read these two books from you know way back when, one of them was written during World War II and one of them was written in 1981, I think. But the man was was born in 1929. You see that these have been something going on. There have been humans that understood this from a long time ago, and they're recognized for it and acknowledged for it. Uh, and it. To some people, it's not in the traditional, but it's a certain level of a breakthrough Or if it's happening to you, to really check out these guys because they articulate it really well. And I think it helps the person stay integrated and not be concerned as much if something drastically has changed in their reality. That has to do with perception and uh, information. And uh, if if somebody did hack into you and something did happen with them uh, and you don't know who they are, but you're still alive years later, to read these because this might be something that was happening a long time ago and a lot of people did survive it and not everybody got stolen by, by the Jewish Holocaust, but a lot of people did. But to read these, to acknowledge it, to integrate it, to say these things happened a long time ago and we should be moving beyond it and if we're from a certain level of a reality where people were helpful and everybody uh, can keep learning and excelling with tons and tons of information that there's something benevolent about that, not just to we just steal them for biological purposes and as an information seller for our entertainment, not just to that. There is something to it that's benevolent, and it is giving them that light and information because it wants them to keep learning and finding meaning even if something has been stolen from them. So I think there's a duality to that and to try and understand that both exist and to integrate that. And again, to check out these two writers, uh, one is named Victor Frankl, and the other one is named Jean uh, Baudrillard, and they're both on Google, and you can like you know find some of their essays probably in academic databases for free. Or go to the library and take it out, or go to the Barnes and Noble, whatever you guys like. Uh, and uh, I think they're really helpful. Okay, Anchor, thanks again for tuning in today, and uh, I hope you all have a great rest of your evening.